0: series on the book of James. And I've tried to share different ways that James is my one of my favorite books because of its practicality. James just says it the way it is, says it the way it needs to be said, says it in a way, I believe, that it's pretty easy for us to understand what he's trying to say. I don't feel that James is one of those books in the Bible where you turn to it and you try to study it and you just go, huh. I don't really think I know what it says. It may be that way for you, but for me, it seems at least, maybe God that wrote book just for Pastor Pete, because there's a lot of stuff he needs to work on, and I know that's true. But it just seems to be an area of the Bible that just leaps off the path of life, and I hope it is in the study that we share together, of God's way of revealing himself to us. And if you're here this morning and you want to hear from God, can I tell you that this is the way most of the time he's going to do it? through his word, that we're going to open together. So open up whatever way you read your scriptures this morning. We're going to read um, the last two verses of chapter one. I I should let you know that in chapter two, we're going to break it off into two sermons. So we're not going to spend weeks on chapter two. We're going to spend two weeks on chapter two and then continue on. So this isn't going to go on into 2021 or anything like that. Um, We're going to uh, follow the Lord's direction, but the next chapter is going to is going to go differently. But let's stand this morning one more time, if you are able and and you would like to, invite you to stand for these two verses out of James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, so look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You can be seated. Father, we thank you this morning for the word. We thank you for the way this chapter ends. And I just ask, Lord, that you would allow us just to be bare before you. It's one of the hardest things we can do as, as believers it's one of the hardest things we can do as human beings is to just let down all of our walls, all of our facades, all of our pretendings, all of, all of the stuff of life, and just listen to the heart of God. And I just pray, Lord, as we look at these um, ideas that James is sharing with us for a few minutes today, um, that you would just um, touch our hearts. Help us, Lord, just to, to uh, make sure everything's in alignment with what you talk about here, And Lord, we just pray that as we go forward together as a church, as friends, as family, um, that your your love would shine through the way we live out our Christian life. And we'll praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, there are three ideas. They're really simple. As I've already said, most of the Bible is when you look at it for more than a few minutes. And the first thing that James talks about is controlling the tongue. Now, if you've been with us in the series already, it's, it's a theme that James continues to bring about, and, and I wonder why that is. I wonder if that's something that you and I continually face in our life. I had someone talk to me right before the service, before the sermon today, and saying that that's kind of an issue in their life, and, and, it, and it hasn't been for a while, and we all have to face this, and so thank you, James, for reminding us. <laughs> that this is an important issue, right, in our life, and let's ask the Lord together how we can go about it. So, he's, so he starts out with this, with this idea, and, and, and it's important for us to realize, if you and I think that our faith is genuine, let's summarize what James is trying to say. If you're taking stock of your Christianity, and you go, you know what, pretty good, I think you got it together. I might even get in a DeLorean someday and go tell somebody what time to get up in the morning. If you think that your religion and your, and your life is right, James says, okay. That's the way you take stock of things. But he says, if you cannot control your tongue, well, he just says it the way it is. It's, you're kidding yourself. If you say that you're a believer and a Christian, and you say that you're following the Lord, and yet you can't control what comes out of your mouth, you're kidding yourself. There's no way that the two things can go together. And so, this, and it's interesting that, um, in this section, James uses this word religion. Now, that's a big world, a big word in our world today, isn't it? Religion and faith, and it's only found twice in the Bible in most versions, and one of them is in this section in James. And what it means is, is your religious activity. The way you demonstrate yourself in worship, especially when you demonstrate it at whatever kind of liturgy you're a part of. Basically, when you come to church on Sunday morning, and who you are on Sunday morning as we're together is one thing, but it might just be that when you go home Sunday afternoon, there might be something else that comes out, and James is like, that's not the way that God wants to work in your life and in mine. And so like a hot knife through butter, James slices through what we have and what we see to really who we are and the way that we live our life. James talks about this in the idea of, of a horse rider. And who's, who all here this morning has ridden a horse? Wow, that's, Wow, I'm impressed. That is really good. How many of you have ever fallen off a horse? I don't know if I want to say that's impressive or not. <laughs> that's quite a few of you. I'm glad that you're still here and that you're still walking well. And so he says that this idea is like the, the, and we'll get to it later in the book of James when he, when he talks more in depth about this and you've all heard the verses of our t- our tongue is like a fire that can go out of control. But here he's saying it's like a wild stallion. You try to put a bridle on a horse and, and and you know you've got the little the little Shetland ponies that are so cute, right? And the miniature horses, and I don't think that's what James is. He's talking about the the animal that's bigger than you. And if he wants to kick you down the road, boy, it's gonna happen. And he's saying that the the skill that is required, the discipline that is required, the, the focus in our Christianity. It's required to make this an active part of what we're doing, not just singing songs, not just praying with the prayer time, not just giving with the offering, but it is a part of our life with Christ, is allowing God to rein us in, allowing God to show us areas in our life that we can, that we can get under control. Or we're going to be like that poor helpless guy or girl who goes and puts on the bridle on the horse and the horse says, forget it, I'm out of here and down the road they go. And it may take a whole bunch of people to try to catch them. And James is saying, in our lives, if our speech isn't glorifying to God, if it's out of control, well, he just says it in a way that most pastors wouldn't say in front of their church. <laughs> but he says it, and it's in God's word. He's saying, if, if that's you, then what good does all the singing do? What good does all the prayer time do? What good does the preaching do? If you go home and you just blast people and fillet them alive and torch the people around you, curse them, tear them apart, cut them down, ridicule and mock them, then did all of that matter? I guess he's probably right in his own way. There's a pastor years ago doing work around the church, maybe they were building a shed, I don't know. And uh you know, there were some guys and people in the church who'd kind of come around to help work on it and and he had a he was kind of doing a lot of hammering, so the pastor was carrying around a a, a big hammer. And and one of the people in the church just kind of kept following him around. He wasn't doing anything. He was just, you know, just the shadow behind him. And uh he finally turned to him and was like, "What are you doing?" He was like, well, I'm following you to see what happens when you hit your finger with a hammer. What comes out of your mouth when you hit your finger with a hammer? And this curious parishioner understood what the moment of existential truth would be. It's one thing for him to preach a good sermon, to lead the church in prayer. It's quite another when life hits a bump in how we live our life in the light of that. Years ago, John Wesley was preaching, and there was a lady in the congregation. And sometimes you'll notice this if you're a public speaker. You just you can tell somebody's staring you down. And this lady was just, I mean, she was locked on. Come to find out afterwards that, that the strings on his bow tie were too long, and she just couldn't take it. So, you know, she was, she was one of those parishioners waiting for him after church. Have you ever been that person? I got something to say to the pastor, and he's not getting away from me until I say it. That was what was going on. She's sitting there waiting for him, and, and, she, and she lets him know. She said, the strings on your bow tie are too long, and it's an offense to me. Pretty sharp preacher. He asked the little gaggle of ladies who wanted to see what was going on, going down. At the church, uh, he said, any of you have scissors? And they, one of them handed him out, and he goes, here you go. Um, and she trimmed them down to her liking. And Wesley said, are you sure they're all right now? And she goes, yep, they're much better. And he said, can I have the scissors for a moment? I'm sure you wouldn't mind if I gave you also a bit of correction. I must tell you, madam, that your tongue is an offense to me. It's too long. Please stick it out. i like to cut some of it off. The preacher then would be preaching to the pastor, but the point of the message is sometimes our tongues are too long. And James is saying that a, that a mature, thoughtful, honest, growing believer will be open to the Lord's direction. That if God wants to, in a sense, place a bridle over our heart, over our mouth, that a mature believer will say, All right, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I messed up. I made a mistake. How can I be more glorifying to you in my life? And I think that's what James is trying to say, not, hey, if you messed up, your faith is junk, go somewhere else and live your life. He's trying to say that if you want to praise and you want to worship and you want to serve and you want to be involved and, and, and live the life of faith, then allow God to come into the things that you say and the way that you say them so the Lord can guide and direct as you follow him in life. Before I go on, there was a lady who came to the same pastor and said, my talent is to speak my mind. I just love those people. I love his, like make a catalog of his responses. He said, that's one talent that God wouldn't mind burying in the ground, (laughs) if you know the parable of that. Just real simple, the way we talk and how we talk, God says is really important in identifying pure religion. Pure Christianity is demonstrated in what we say, and I think you would all agree demonstrated by what we don't say. He gave us two ears and one mouth for a reason. Teeth is a trap door to our tongue and mouth that we could be perceptive to what God's trying to do in our life. Another thing that James talks about is this idea of care for the unfortunate. care for the unfortunate. I wrote this down from a book called Faith That Works on the book of James, and it says, James has just shown us our way of perceiving our own holiness is often flawed and untrue based on what we just shared together. While we think that all the things about coming to church and having the right things to say in church and in life, James says, if you want to know what and how God is really defining Christianity, we need to be ready for what he's about ready to say next. I want to ask you, are you and I ready for what James is about ready to tell us? Because in a lot of ways, and I am preaching to myself as much as I am preaching to anyone in the sanctuary, Christianity is about how I look. Christianity is about how I'm perceived or how I give or the things that I do for the church, and, and some of that's true. But James is just laying it all bare and raw, and he just says it's a few simple things. It's the way we talk, and he says it's the way we care for the unfortunate. To visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction. If those in this congregation of that day were smug in their excellence of worship and were shaken by James' first description of acceptable religion, they were undoubtedly sent reeling by his second Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Now, I started by looking at the way we perceive ourselves, and our religion is one thing. James says it's something else. The way we think about our religion is that we're kind. And that's a good Christian trait, isn't it? A good, another Christian trait that's good and necessary and, and very prevalent at First Friends is, is love. It is kindness and warmth and, and goodness to the people around us. And, and James certainly isn't cutting any of that away. But he just says that pure, real, authentic, living, bright, contagious Christianity, there is something about it that reaches down to the lowest of the low and does something to build them up. Not just supporting an organization that does, but you. You. And me actually going out there into the homes and the streets and the byways of the people that are hurting and distressed with the pressures of life and doing something about it. James says, You want to talk about real Christianity? That's it. Pause for effect. Because I think if we had Brother Robert come and have an altar call right now, it would probably be right to say that most of us should come forward. Maybe we've got our tongue in check. But how many times do we drive by or walk by or those who are hurting? Would it be enough for us to go back to them and say, you know, I'm a Christian and I prayed for you and then turn around and left. Jesus, the Bible talked about that. And if you can't give them something to eat, if you can't give them something to wear, if you don't take time in order to do something for them, well, it just wasn't a really nice thing that he said. Over and over again, the Bible identifies our willingness to help the less fortunate as a key part of our, of our life, both as individuals, as a body, As a nation of followers of Christ, it is who Jesus was to go to the poor. He despised in many ways those in positions and those in power because they were blinded by those things. Like many in our world today, they're called public servants, but they're only out for number one. Jesus just blew that out of the water. And he went to the prostitutes and the lepers, the homeless, the destitute, the cursed, the demon-possessed, the lost of the lost, the darkest of the dark. And he found a way to reach out into their world and touch them. You're going to see these verses on the screen from Isaiah chapter 1, another place in the Bible, the Old Testament, where God was talking to the heart of his church about these very kinds of things. Think about what I've shared about worship, about our performance, about what we do as God speaks to the people thousands of years ago. says, the multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me? Says the Lord, I have plenty of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fattened animals. I don't have pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. Stop bringing these meaningless offerings to me. Your incense is detestable to me. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you say a whole lot of prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong and learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Hmm. Defend the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Over and over again, the Bible talks about real Christianity not being about us and all the things that we do and accomplish. By the way, he sends us out to help those who cannot and could not help themselves. Years ago, Dwight Moody had a man come up to him after a revival service, and the man said to the renowned pastor, I've been on the Mount of Transfiguration for five years. He was, he was special. He was, he'd been living the Christian life. He, like, I've been living it, man, for five years. God has, I mean, man. Moody said, how many people have you led to Christ in those years? I don't know, the man said. Have you led any? Moody persisted. I don't know that I have. So this brave pastor said to him, sit down. We don't need that kind of mountaintop experience. When a man gets so high that he can't reach down to save others, there's something wrong. First John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 say, If anyone has material possessions and see his brother in need, but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and truth. One of the things that reach out to me the most in this passage is that in the middle of their distress is where God calls us to go. Oftentimes, it's the symbols of their distress that cause us to keep a distance, that scare us, that make us uncomfortable, that push us away, are the things that drew Jesus to them. The way they looked, the way they smelled, the way they lived, where they lived. Maybe they didn't have a place to live. In the middle of their darkest hour, God calls us to their distresses. And I wish that you were all shouting Amen. But the room is as silent as I've ever heard it in my life. And I think there's probably a reason for it. James says true faith reaches out to a hurting world. Let's pray. God, we wouldn't fool ourselves to say that we can all change the world together or even apart. But the fact of the matter is you called us out into a world that needs change. It needs love. It needs forgiveness. It needs acceptance. It needs help. It needs you. And we all know that phrase, that we are the hands and the feet many times, the flesh of God in a world that is hurting And Lord, I love the worship today. It was glorious. It was good. You are glorious and good. I love my friends and, and the family that I have at First Friends Church with a passion that only you can know. Lord, it's a really safe, wonderful, amazing place for us to all be. And I thank you for that. Lord, 30 yards from here, 80 yards from here, 300 yards from here, 1,000 yards from here, it's a very different world that many people around us are living in. And how do we demonstrate our faith by always driving by or driving through to get to somewhere different? Holy Spirit, speak to each of our hearts as we next take our drive or our walk, but Christianity Ought to really be like. And I'll praise you in your holy name. Amen. Third and last this morning, James, and quickly, James talks about keeping ourselves unspotted by the world. Now, I got a kick. I was reading a commentary about this and he. Um, The idea of pollution, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, because your version might say, keep yourself unpolluted by the world, uh, to very quickly telling everyone to throw their TVs into the lake of fire. And I am not that kind of pastor, although the last couple weeks of watching my ducks, it has crossed my mind. But I think what James is trying to say is that we live in a polluted world. How many of you heard that climate change is one of the most drastic dangers in our world? We may have some disagreement about that fact. Most likely, there is a lot of truth to that in some way. We live in a polluted world, both physically and spiritually. Turn on that said television any time of the day or night, and be very careful where you turn because of what you'll see there. It's everywhere, and it's all around us. They're going to see a picture on the screen, and I'm just going to kind of let us think about this as we close. This is in uh, Montana. It's called the Berkeley Pit. And it is left over from a copper mine from years ago, and it has 40 billion gallons of acidic water, heavy metals, and unique microscopic life forms. They had a flock of geese land on this lake a number of years ago, and all 324 of them shortly after drinking the water, sorry, 342 of them were found dead. Every year, I'm sorry, in every month, So polluted is this lake with results of mining that 400,000 pounds of copper is skimmed off the top of this lake, off of water. They're mining off of polluted water. And I just thought, you know, Lord, sometimes our life, our world feels like a cesspool just like that. A thousand feet deep, a mile wide, a half a mile long. It is just, we feel surrounded by this pool of pollution in our world. I didn't put a picture on there of a Christian in a dinghy raft trying to swim around. I think God calls us to get out of the pollution and to live our lives for him as we allow him to do that. But the danger here I saw is that we live in a, in a, a, a spiritually polluted land where it doesn't take very much for that acidity of sin to, to fester in us and to find a way in to our daily life. They said if just a duck would land on that pond, it would affect him for the rest of his life. Most of them would die from the danger that presents. Never take a drink of that water if you ever go to $2, you can go and see this place. It's a tourist attraction now. Just like so much of sin in our world has become a tourist attraction. We're visually oriented. We want to see the spectacles of life, and we allow it all to come in. And God doesn't usually say to us, burn the television. He's saying, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, ears, what you hear. Be careful, little hands, what you do. And again, it's just really simply saying, we can say all this stuff, and then if we allow these things into our hearts, might want to think twice about that. So let's stand, I'm going to close this in prayer, and then we're going to, uh, I believe, I know, Go thoughtfully from this place as we follow the Lord. Jesus, I thank you this morning for the word of God. Just a couple of verses, Lord, that um, we probably read a whole lot of times. And I just pray, Lord, for for our body today as we've looked at them again, anew, afresh, in the light of your spirit and the light of your presence with us today. Lord, you, you desire a new thing in us. You don't set us on a course and then and just leave us. You 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 chasten us at times. You convict us at times, and we, and we praise you for that. You you reorient us. You you redirect us. You provide new direction. You soften our hearts, Lord, as we listen and follow you. And we just pray, Lord, that as as we have our our dialogues of life. Lord, if if we've kind of snapped off the reins of heaven in the way that we speak, and the way that we share it, Lord, would we just be willing today to submit to you? Say, Lord, uh, how does your spirit want to teach me self-control? How does your spirit want to teach me forgiveness and kindness and patience in my communications? How do you, Lord, want me just to not say anything at all? Lord, would you guide us as we follow you in our conversations? Lord Jesus, who are you going to send us to? this week, not who are we going to go by, who are you going to send us to as we follow you? And Lord, as we walk those two journeys, the realization we live in a polluted land is true, but we have a comforter who come alongside of us, who helps us, Lord, to remain clean before you. Thank you, Lord, for the word today and for your spirit and your message. May it live and abide and thrive in our hearts. And may, Father, the world around us know who we are because they know who you are. And we'll praise you in your wonderful name. Amen. want to invite you, if you want to stay for coffee and cookies in the Fireside Room off to the side of the sanctuary, it was in your bulletin, but I didn't announce them. If you're interested in a membership class or finding more information,